This episode of the MGMA podcast is brought to you by Walmart Business. It's the Walmart you love, now for business. Get everything you need for your staff and patients in one place. Enjoy big savings on health and safety products, cleaning supplies, over-the-counter medications, and much more. And don't forget the break room snacks. Create a free account today and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. Hello, it's Friday, July 9th. I'm Daniel Williams, and this is the MGMA Week in Review, where each week we bring you some of the most important, interesting, and inspiring stories happening in healthcare leadership and medical practices today. This week, we begin with telehealth news. According to an article from Fierce Healthcare, telehealth use has fallen 37% from pandemic highs. These figures come from a new report from health system analytics company, Trillion Health. Despite the buzz about telehealth and massive investment in virtual care, the use of telehealth is beginning to taper off, declining as much as 37% from peak pandemic highs in some states. In California, telehealth utilization is down 24%, and virtual care visits are down 30% in Louisiana, delineating between total telehealth visits and the discrete number of unique individuals who use telehealth. The research concludes that only about 13% of Americans use telehealth during the pandemic. Trillion Health's analysis found that during the pandemic, telehealth was primarily used for behavioral health, especially by commercially insured women between the ages of 20 and 49. Within this already crowded market of telehealth suppliers, traditional providers, notably hospitals and health systems, are going to be hard pressed to compete with new market entrants that have long-standing relationships with consumers. Given these trends, hospitals and health systems should be partnering with telehealth providers, not building capabilities internally. These new market entrants like Walmart and Amazon have pre-existing sticky relationships with consumers that will make it very challenging for health systems to win when it comes to consumer loyalty. Moving into the post-COVID-19 economy, health systems and hospital executives need to understand local level supply and demand. The industry needs to stop making decisions and assumptions based on what we think are national numbers that only affect 10 to 15% of the population. And look at what's happening in that specific patient population or market that they're operating in. To see the full report, Go to FierceHealthCare.com. I'll leave you this week with an article on providing strategic leadership in your team's return to the office. Last week, we discussed why getting back in the office can help a company's culture. 
if your practice is heading in that direction. A recent article from the Harvard Business Review provides strategic steps that you can take to help lead your team through the transition back to the office. But it might not be easy. A recent survey from Harvard Business School of 1,500 employees nationwide revealed that 81% of them either don't want to come back at all or would prefer a hybrid model of work. Of those, 27% hope to remain working remotely full time, while 61% would prefer to work from home two to three days a week. Only 18% want to return to in-person work full time. While those percentages might vary among your team, it's fair to expect that the vast majority of your employees won't be cheering when your organization announce its expectations for a return to the office. So as a leader, how do you keep your team motivated and engaged during the company's transition? First, be transparent without being a victim. People will assume you have more answers than you probably do about new policies and protocols. And you may get asked questions for which no satisfying answer exists. Learning to provide honest responses will be key to showing good leadership. Proactively alert people to any impending changes you hear about and let people know what you're doing to stay informed on their behalf. Next, involve the team in balancing individual and group needs. If you do have some discretion over how to implement work from home policies on your team, you'll need to determine how to apply those rules to certain individual circumstances without being unfair to others. Also, you wanna encourage the team to create new work practices that everyone adheres to for both where work happens as well as when work happens. For example, ensure all meetings include video links so those working from home can participate equally. Or set defined work time hours like 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time when everyone must be available online while also setting weekend boundaries when everyone is expected to be offline. Next, you'll want to allow people space to grieve. For some, regardless of what level of flexibility you offer, the transition from work from home may represent deeper loss than just control over their time. Some people lost loved ones to COVID-19, but never really had the chance to say goodbye. Others rekindled their connection to life partners and discovered newfound closeness with their children. If you create the space for people to let go of what this last 18 months has been, you'll enable them to more fully embrace the next normal you're inviting them to help create. Also, don't burden them with your ambivalence. Be honest with yourself about your own struggles to return to the office. You too will have to adapt and probably have mixed feelings about what you're giving up. While being vulnerable with your team about personal difficulties may build deeper connection, take care not to overdo it. Also, if you need a safe haven where you can vent, 
consider engaging a coach or a close confidant. But for your team's sake, remember that they're following your example. And finally, be a source of joy. One of the best ways to ease any angst your team might be feeling is to create a sense of lightheartedness for them. There are unquestionably things that people miss about being in the office, rituals your team enjoyed, celebrations that were suspended, opportunities to be off camera and feel less isolated. A Price Waterhouse Cooper survey from June 2020 revealed that 50% of employees felt that collaboration and relationship building were better in person. Help people see the new ways you'll be able to reestablish those things once everyone returns. Humor, used thoughtfully, can be especially helpful for creating joy. Keep up with the latest industry news by subscribing to the MGMA Insights newsletter at mgma.com slash insights newsletter. If you want to become part of the healthcare discussion, you can join the MGMA stat panel by texting STAT to 33550. And to keep up with the latest healthcare legislation, visit mgma.com slash advocacy. If you have a healthcare story you want to share with us, email us at podcast at mgma.com. This has been the MGMA Week in Review. I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks and have a great weekend. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage when it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance. There's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for, so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com slash analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances and operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.